Welcome to the Food for Your Soul podcast, where we apply the Word of God to the hearts of men and women to stoke the fires of your delight in Christ. Here's your host, Dr. D. Richard Ferguson. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said, Ask, and it will be given to you. That's quite the promise. What's the catch? And we know there's got to be a catch, right? Because God doesn't give us everything we ask for. So what's the catch? And why does God even have catches? Or does he? How would your life be different if God answered your prayers more? If God said yes to your prayers, say, twice as often, or maybe four or five times more often than he does now, How would your life be different? The answer to that question is this. Your life would be better. It would be better than it is now if God says yes to more. And I say that because there are many, many times in Scripture when God gives us information about how to get our prayers answered more, right? He He teaches us, do this and I'll, re- I'll hear your prayers more, which means that if that's, that's something that God wants, and if, some, it's God, if it's something God wants, it's something we should be striving for. Something we should desire. If God answered our prayers more, that would mean we're, we're on the same page with Him more often, which would always be a good thing, right? Now, there's some exceptions. I'm not talking about when uh, the exception would be if you pray for something sinful and God punishes you by saying yes to the prayer. That, like with Israel, you know, when they prayed for a king and they got Saul, you know, that's, uh, but, but that's rare. That aside, Generally speaking, Scripture teaches that we ought to have the goal of getting more of our prayers answered. And so we're always excited when we come across a passage like this here at the end of James 5, where he's teaching us something about how to make that happen. I mentioned last time that this is a controversial and a difficult passage. It's difficult for several reasons. Probably the biggest reason is that this promise that he makes here seems so Absolute. It doesn't seem to match reality. Verse 14, look at it. It says, Is any of you sick? He should call the elders of the church to pray over him and anoint him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the weary person well, and the Lord will raise him up. That sounds pretty absolute, doesn't it? Just anoint him with oil and pray, and he'll get better. If that's true... How, are we, how do we reconcile with that, with the fact that there's sick people in every church? And there has been for 2,000 years, even in the New Testament times, even where Paul was hanging around. You had sick people. In, in uh, 2 Timothy 4.20, he says, I left Trophimus sick in Miletus. Why'd you leave him sick, Paul? Why didn't you just get the elders to come and anoint him with oil and pray and get him, get him healed? All those people in Corinth, in Corinth in 1 Corinthians 11, who were sick, why, why didn't Paul say, look, you need to get the elders praying? Some of them died. When Timothy had his stomach illness, frequent illnesses with regard to his stomach, why didn't Paul say, get the elders to pray, Timothy? Why did he tell him to use wine as medicine? Now, the classic answer of the faith healers is, well, when somebody, when it doesn't work, it's, it's because of the person that's sick. It's their fault. They don't have enough faith. Um, that's their answer. Is that the biblical answer? I don't think so, because when Epaphroditus was sick with Paul, uh, he was going to help Paul. He got so sick that he almost died, 
did Paul rebuke him and say, you don't have enough faith, Epaphroditus? No. In fact, what did Paul tell us? He says, honor men like him. Honor, honor men like him. Um, so it's not, the, it's not necessarily the sick person's fault. Disease and sickness and injury and weakness and all these things, they're, they're part of life. It's just a part of the way that, that things are. Every human being is finally going to succumb to the ultimate illness and die, right? We all die. So, so um, this is part of reality. And we saw some people have said, okay, well, maybe this isn't talking about physical illness. I mean, if you see all the illness in the church and then you see this promise, say, oh, if you do is have the elders come and anoint with oil and pray and they'll, be, they'll get better. How do you reconcile reality with that promise? Some people have said, well, it's because uh, this isn't talking about physical sickness. It's just talking about spiritual weakness. And we saw last week that doesn't work. The, the wording just won't allow for that. It's talking about sickness. But even if it, even if it did, even if it is talking about spiritual weaknesses, that doesn't really solve the problem. Because how many times do the elders pray for someone who's spiritually struggling and they don't get better? So that's no guarantee either. James seems to be given a guarantee. So how do we deal with this? Here's the, here's the main thing we need to remember with this. When the Bible places a condition on a promise, anywhere in the Bible, when it places a condition on that promise, that condition always applies even in other passages where it's not mentioned. Okay? That's an important principle for understanding the Bible, for interpreting the Bible. For example, if there's a verse that says, in order to get your sins forgiven, you have to have faith in Jesus Christ, to repent and trust in Christ. You have to have faith. That's the condition. And one verse says that. And then you come to another verse that says, that talks about promising forgiveness of sins, but it doesn't mention anything about faith. Does that mean the, the condition of faith is canceled now? You don't have to have faith anymore? No. That's still in place. It's just not mentioned in that passage. Because that's not the point being made. So, so, or, or in Matthew 21, when Jesus places a condition of faith, in Matthew 21, 22, if you believe, then you will receive whatever you ask for in prayer. Um, what's the condition there? Faith, right? Faith. He says, if you believe. Um, now, in John fourteen fourteen, he says, you may ask me for anything in my name and I'll do it. There, he doesn't say anything about faith. He just says it has to be in my name. So what happened? Did the condition change? It used to be faith, now it's, it's printed in his name? No, it's just that he doesn't mention that. Both are in place. Both. And then in Matthew 7, 7, he doesn't mention anything. He just says, ask and it'll be given to you. Seek and you'll find. It just, just that, and no conditions. Does that mean the conditions are canceled? No, they're still in place. They're just not mentioned. So if if there's ever a condition placed on a promise in the Bible, that condition remains even if it's not mentioned. So what are the conditions for answered prayer? James is assuming you you understand what they are. He doesn't mention them here, but they're still in place. When he says the sick person will get well, that's if the conditions are met. Well, what are the conditions? We've already seen a couple of them in James. I mean, if, if we're wondering, what does James assume that we already know? Well, we've, we, he's assuming we've read chapter 1, right? Uh, that's that's uh, where he said, you've got to believe and not doubt. 
So faith is there. We, we, we've, we, we, he's assuming that we've read chapter 4, where if you pray with the wrong motives, then he won't listen. Um, James is going to mention some more in chapter 5. There's a lot of different, different requirements in Scripture. In fact, as I was studying through the New Testament this last week, I found about a dozen of them. And for the sake of remembering, I think we can group them under four main headings. Prerequisites, requirements, uh, conditions that God requires for prayer to be answered. I think we can put them under four main headings. The first one has to do with your relationship with God. And there's, there's a few things that need to be in place with your relationship with God. First of all, trust. It has to be a relationship of trust with God. Again, you go back to James, just turn your Bible back a couple of pages to James 1 and look at verse 6. It says, when he asks, he must believe and not doubt, because he who doubts like a wave of the sea, that man should not think he'll receive anything from the Lord, because he's a double-minded man. Doubt and double-mindedness will make it less likely that God will answer your prayers, because it's a lack of faith. Matthew 22, 21, Jesus says, if you believe, I just read that, if you believe... Uh, you will receive what you ask for in prayer. So faith, again, it has to be a relationship of faith. Matthew seventeen nineteen. then the disciples asked, why couldn't we drive the demon out? And he says, because you had so little faith. So a fundamental ingredient to having a close relationship with God so that he'll answer your prayers is trust. It has to be a relationship of trust. You have to believe. Sometimes when we read a promise in Scripture and then find out that it's conditional, God won't give us the thing promised unless we do something, that can be disappointing, like the fine print on a deal that's too good to be true. We find out there's a condition, and we say, ah, I knew there had to be a catch. If that feels disappointing to you when it comes to God's promises, it may help to remember the purpose of God's conditions. In the world, when something sounds too good to be true, but there's a hidden catch somewhere in the fine print, it's usually for the purpose of deceiving you. They want you to buy into the deal without reading the fine print because that fine print changes it from a good deal for you to being a great deal for them. But when God puts a condition on a promise, it's never a catch to make the deal worse for you. It's always a condition that makes the deal better for you. God's conditions are not like the fine print on a vacation deal. God's conditions are like the conditions a loving parent uses to guide his children into behavior that will be good for them. If I tell my kids they can have a dessert, but only if they eat their vegetables, that condition doesn't benefit me in any way. It only benefits them. It's designed to guide them into something that will make them healthier. All the conditions God places on his promises are for the purpose of guidance. It's how God guides us into abundant life. That's an amazing truth, because here's what it means. It means the conditions God places on the promises are just as much a gift as the promises themselves. If God says, I'll give you X, but first you have to do Y, that means he's offering you two gifts, X and Y. So with that in mind, think about the condition we talked about today. The gift is answered prayer. The condition is you have to trust God. Give a little thought today to how trusting God is a gift. We know if God requires it, it must be good for you. Healthy, life-giving, beneficial. But how? Spend the day today meditating on that question. How is trusting God good for me? And how would I be happier in life if I trusted him more? 
Heavenly Father, when I'm afraid, I will trust in you. In you, whose word I praise, in you I trust. I will not be afraid. Many are the woes of the wicked, but your unfailing love, Lord, surrounds the man who trusts in you. Oh, Lord, help me be that man. Lord God Almighty, blessed is the man who trusts in you. A greedy man stirs up dissension, but he who trusts in you will prosper. When I trust in myself, I'm a fool. But when I rest on your promises, my life flourishes. Help me believe that. Sovereign Lord, you have laid a stone in Zion, a tested stone, a precious cornerstone for a sure foundation. And the one who trusts will never be dismayed. Cursed is the one who trusts in man, who depends on flesh for his strength. He will be like a bush in the wastelands. He will not see prosperity when it comes. Blessed is the man who trusts in you, whose confidence is in you. He will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. It does not fear when heat comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought and never fails to bear fruit. Lord, make me like that blessed man, not the cursed man. Guard my life, for I am devoted to you. You are my God, and you save your servants who trust in you and who lift up their soul. Thank you for listening. If you found today's episode edifying, why not share it with a friend? This season of the Food for Your Soul podcast features excerpts from our sermon series on the book of James. 50 expository sermons covering every verse. You can find those and hundreds of other sermons for free download on drichardferguson.com. And if you like listening on your phone, get our free mobile app. Install the Church One app from the Play Store and select Food for Your Soul. Until next time, rejoice in the Lord always and set your mind on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God.